Welcome to 15 Minutes on the Way, Season 7, The Prophets, the PH Prophets. If you're a first-time listener, you really owe it to yourself to start at the beginning. You can easily find Episode 1 of Season 1 at 15minutesontheway.com. Don't spell out the number. Otherwise, brace yourself for a conversation with God's voice telling His side of your story. Well, in contrast to the majority of southern kings thus far, Jehoram is turning out to be nothing but bad business. Though he's noble Jehoshaphat's son, Jehoram is definitely the rotten apple of the bunch, and, unfortunately, the firstborn. Remember how Jehoshaphat returned from his northern escapades and strengthened his rule by placing his sons in positions of leadership throughout the kingdom? Well, Jehoram feels threatened by them, and once his dad is asleep with the ancestors, the new king has all his brothers killed, as well as key suddenly former advisors, in order to wipe out any possible opposing competition for the throne. Second Chronicles 21. Ever fixated on the north, Kings summarizes the southern Jehoram's entire reign in just a few verses, managing to set him clearly in the evil category without mentioning the fratricidic detail. That's 2 Kings 8.16. Now, although it may have been a common practice deemed necessary in this habitat to kill a king's successors when the throne was taken by someone outside the current royal line, a feature in the northern kingdom that will soon reappear. Jehoram's killing of his own brothers to protect his hold on Judah's crown is brutal, even by the standards of his own habitat. All this makes David's merciful treatment of Saul's descendant Mephibosheth really stand out in Second Samuel 9. So it is no surprise that Jehoram walks in the ways of his wife Athaliah and her mother, his Jezebel-in-law, and is as bad as or even worse than his northern namesake. Those chills that went down your spine a couple episodes ago were sadly well-placed. Jehoram leads Judah astray, erecting high places in the hill country, whereas the northern guy just pulled one down. Jehoram encourages the polytheistic contagion that has already captured the north to creep into the life of Judah now as well. It's enough to make me wipe out his line altogether, which we have vowed to do to Ahab's line, but held off a generation because of his abrupt, surprising repentance. But I promised to keep the southern Jehoram's line, remember he's a direct descendant of David, on the throne forever. So to honor David and my promise to him, I must maintain the ancestral line, though Jehoram did not spare his own brothers, because it is David's line, even though it is now corrupted with the blood of Ahab and Jezebel. I still let the Philistines in, though, who come on a raid surgically targeted right at Jehoram's house. They take away everything but his youngest son so that the line of David will continue. Jehoram won't, though. He dies in misery after two most miserable years of diarrhea. 
He has done loads of damage, damage that is crystal clear to the people, so much so that the chronicler says that King Jehoram dies to no one's regret and is not even buried in the tombs of the kings. So great is their disdain for him. Well, that's Second Chronicles 21.16. And the generations roll on. The lone remaining son of Jehoram, Ahaziah, is made king. He's not much better than his father, and has his mother Athaliah, that daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, as a chief advisor. So let us highlight that at this juncture there is a descendant of Ahab on the thrones of both Israel and Judah. In Judah, Ahaziah is the grandson of Ahab and Jezebel by his mother Athaliah, and grandson of Jehoshaphat by his father. In Israel, Ahab's second son, also named Jehoram, is on the throne. That makes the king of Israel the uncle of the king of Judah right now. Don't let all that give you a headache. Just let it illustrate the flow of evil impact. Whereas Judah had remained pretty well on track up until now, the kings of both the north and the south are currently walking firmly in the steps of the dreadfully influential Ahab-Jezebel unit. Now, then, is the time that my promise to Ahab must be fulfilled, lest his offspring irreparably defile both kingdoms. It starts as it should with my prophet. Remember, he, like Elijah, is our beacon in the north. Elisha, ever the one to delegate, calls a fellow up from the prophet pool and sends him over to Ramoth-Gilead, where Israel is yet again defending her eastern border against the Arameans. The prophet is to find the commander of the troops there, Jehu, and ask to speak with him in private. Once so, he is to pour oil over the commander's head, think of Samuel with David, and tell him he's just been anointed king over Israel. Elisha instructs his messenger to then get the heck out of there before all judgment breaks loose. The unnamed young prophet dispatches himself well, fulfilling his duties as prescribed. He is open to our spirit, hence his presence in the prophet pool, and so through him we brief Jehu more fully on our reasons for his sober commission as well as on the extent to which it will reach. Jehu will be the one to fulfill our promises to Ahab of the termination of Ahab's line, putting an end to that most corrupt king's lingering, damaging influence on our people. King Jehoram of Israel is at his eastern palace in Jezreel to more easily oversee the border conflict. The court is with him, which includes his mother, Jezebel. He's asked his nephew down in Judah to help out with the border skirmish, so King Ahaziah of Judah is also on the scene. This is not the family reunion we'd been hoping for. And suffice it to say that the freshly anointed Jehu is the instrument of the fall of all three of them. It was the cruel selfishness of Jezebel and Ahab that killed the innocent vineyard owner, Thus, their son Jehoram, who has also recklessly ruled and kept the people firmly astray in his own reign, 
Jehoram dies on the very land over which his parents murdered the vintner Naboth. That was back in 2 Kings 9.14, if you need a refresher. Then, in answer to Jehoram's nephew's ruin of Judah's faith and the murder of his own brothers, Ahaziah is mortally wounded in the same encounter. Finally, with news of General Jehu's coup having reached the palace before him, three of Jezebel's closest servants cast her down from a palace balcony in answer to Jehu's call. By the time they get around to retrieving her body for a proper royal burial, Elijah's grisly prophecy over her end has also come to pass. No, I am not going to tell you. We won't stop you from looking it up in 1 Kings 21.17, though. Jehu thus assumes the throne of Israel in the north, consolidating his power in habitual fashion dispatching every heir of Ahab so none of them is left to follow in those noxious footsteps. Jehu even wipes out the worship of Baal for a time, doing away with the great Baalian temple in Samaria. Ahab's private shrine had been destroyed, not the big public temple. Jehu converts the remains of the temple of Baal fittingly into a latrine. Just when we think Jehu is going to set Israel totally back on the way, though, he stops short. Those golden bulls that Jeroboam set up at Israel's borders should have gone the way of Baal's temple. But Jehu leaves them up and fully functioning. That's in 2 Kings 10. Jehu has done a good deal to make things right in Israel, though. And for this, I promise him that three more generations of his line will follow him on the throne unto which I've just anointed him. The reason behind the limitation of this blessing is that although Jehu has set Israel on a course to stop doing a lot of the bad stuff they were up to up there, he hasn't led them into doing the good things that should replace their former shady activities. Now's the perfect opportunity to bust out my law and tell the people that this is the way they should be living instead of the old way. But he doesn't. And if you know anyone dealing with any kind of addiction, or even your own efforts in trying to lick a bad habit, you can't just quit doing something and succeed for long. You have to quit the bad and then do something good to take its place, to have any chance of lasting success. In the south, the queen mother Athaliah seizes the throne of Judah upon hearing of Ahaziah's demise from his battlefield wound. While Ahaziah does have a good number of children, all are too young to reign at the moment, so Athaliah's assumption of the throne for a time is somewhat understandable, at least for a few years until Ahaziah's oldest son comes of age. However, that shudder that went down your spine when you learned that Judah's King Jehoram had married Ahab's daughter, now Queen Athaliah again, proves all too spot on at this moment as she kills off her own grandchildren so she can stay on the throne. Really? And you thought Anakin Skywalker was bad. However, no one, 
especially no descendant of Ahab, male or female, as is Athaliah, is going to be allowed to wipe out the line of David. Ahaziah's got a sister. No, she's not his twin. Yes, that makes her Athaliah's daughter, too. Despite her mother's influence, Ahaziah's sister has married one of our priests, a fine fellow by the name of Jehoiada, and she is on the way herself. Her name is Jehoshabeath, Oath of Yahweh, and she sneaks the youngest of the princes away before the awful deed is done and hides him from the queen. Clearly not the touchy-feely sort of grandma, Queen Athalia has spent no time in the nursery and doesn't even know how many grandchildren she's got. She is thus a sloppy murderess and doesn't notice she's missed killing one of her own grandchildren. That's a sentence you never expected to hear. This precisely is the influence of Ahab and Jezebel trickling, no, pouring down through generations. This is why all their other descendants are no longer able to influence my people. Athalia is all that remains, and as you can imagine, her clock is ticking. The sequence we're tracking with here is found in 1 Kings 11 and 2 Chronicles 22 and 23, if you want all the gory details. Let's restate and summarize all of that. You might need another cup of coffee to keep this all clear, but this will not be on the test. Jehoshabeath, sister to the just-demised King Ahaziah, has just hidden her nephew Joash, an abbreviation of his full name Jehoash, given by Yahweh. The two names are used interchangeably herein as well as in Tom. Jehoshaphat has just hidden her nephew Joash, the son of Ahaziah, from her mother, the wee crown prince's grandmother, who's made herself queen. Jehoshaphat hides little Joash and prevents his being killed because every other heir Ahaziah leaves behind is murdered by their grandma, the queen Athaliah, the poor younglings. Thus, only little Joash the only survivor of the line of David right now, has just been rescued by his auntie. Now, Aunt Jehoshabeath is married to a priest, and not just any old priest. Her husband Jehoiada, which means Yahweh knows, yes, indeed I do, Jehoiada is now the high priest, wouldn't you know? Uh, this, in fact, is the only instance of a princess, Jehoshabeath, being married to a high priest in our story. We'll let you extrapolate a lesson on mixing politics and religion out of that on your own. Jehoiada and his wife Jehoshabeath keep the boy in secret hiding for a full six years, biding their time under Queen Athaliah's unremarkable reign. Her family member cronies in the north that would have been her allies have all been wiped out by King Jehu. So thank me, hers is a hollow monarchy. After the six years are over, and you're noticing that all that's next is happening in the seventh year, right? High Priest Jehoiada sets his plan in motion. To hear that exciting story, tune in next time on the way. Thanks for listening. 
We hope this episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to support what we do, give us a review on iTunes or Facebook, then share this podcast with your friends. There's a link to the very first episode right under today's podcast on our website, 15minutesontheway.com. We hope today's podcast has reminded you that you, friend, are part of an epic story that is still unfolding today. So keep walking on the way. And until next time, be good to yourself.